0: Well, man, I'm excited about this morning. I'm glad that you are here today. And I'm asking that God would reveal himself to you, as you might have heard already, maybe in the worship or uh, in the prayer for the offering, that we are in a series on forgiveness and that we started last week. And we said last week that forgiveness is at the center of life if we want to live it with God. We all need it, and we all need more than we probably realize And we said, whether you're a believer or a non-believer, that forgiveness is a skill that we need to have in our arsenal. And as a disciple of Christ, it needs to be a highlight of our lives. To live in community, in Christian community, is to forgive and to learn to forgive, and then also learn to receive forgiveness as well. And you know, it's interesting, as we kind of laid out some groundwork, which we'll review here in just a second, about forgiveness, it was like we opened up a can of something last week, and there are stories that have emerged, and many of your stories have been shared with me and amongst each other, and God is wanting to do a new Thing I believe, and what we want to do is we want to kind of push it to the side, the forgiveness to the side, or put it in the corner and kind of you know just not look at it. But it's there. If unforgiveness is there, it festers. And we're going to learn today how it's a choice for us to make, and uh, that we need to make that choice to forgive. Really, this series really was birthed in my heart back in February. I was driving down the road and I heard the song that we were just listening to uh, during our greeting time, and I was. I was just kind of like arrested in my spirit. I'm saying, man, you know, I was listening to the words, and then I heard the story behind the song. And, uh, and we're going to talk a little bit about that next week um, and look at that song in, in particular. But I started to study forgiveness and looking for an opportunity. And as God kind of was laying it out, I thought maybe in the summer. And then I thought, well, early fall. And no, and uh, this is the time for us to, to to discuss it. And I believe, like I mentioned earlier, as we head into the holidays that God's going to help us to learn to forgive. Now, last week we talked about some things that forgiveness is not. And I want to review some of those uh, for those of you that weren't here. Uh, forgiveness is not the same as condoning. You can forgive someone and not condone. To say, nope, it's okay, the hurt, the abuse, the things that were said, the situations. Yep, I was taken advantage of, that's okay. No. Forgiveness is different. You can forgive and not condone. Amen? The second thing is that forgiveness is not the same as forgetting. Sometimes we need to remember. I said last week, if you've been lied to a dozen times by the same person, when you deal with that person, you need to remember that they are a liar. Or if they're toxic people that just are negative or that are hurtful, you need to remember that and treat them a little different. The third thing was that forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. Sometimes it's possible, and I think ultimately it's best if reconciliation is the goal. But sometimes things may not go back to the way that they once were. Reconciliation may not be possible or even be best. Forgiveness is not the same as reconciliation. As I was studying this last week, uh, one of the counselors in, in the church uh, came up to me and gave me some, uh, some articles about forgiveness. And as I was going through those this week, there were a few other things that I realized, some bullet points. It was interesting that forgiveness is not. And listen to these. I want to add these to last week's uh, message. Forgiveness is not repression, painful feelings or experiences that we bury deep in our soul. How many have ever experienced that? Hoping that they won't affect us. Hoping kind of that put them in the corner and we just won't look at it and it's not there. But what happens is you think you're over it and then you see somebody at the mall and you get all these feelings. You want to duck and run or you get all these, just right below the surface is those feelings. And so forgiveness is not the same as just repressing or pushing these things away. Forgiveness is also not the same as denial or minimization, which is similar to condoning. But you say, well, well, what they did, I'm going to forgive them. And as I forgive them, it, maybe it wasn't as bad as I really thought. We minimize or we'll deny it. I say, in that same article that I was reading, it said this, the truth will set you free, not self-deception. How many of you believe that's true? Not self-deception, we need to face up to the facts of what was really happened. Forgiveness is not denial or minimization. And then the sixth thing is forgiveness is not codependency. I thought, man, that's a, 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 an idea that is hard to get our mind around sometimes. But sometimes we'll forgive someone, and then we take responsibility for what they did. And that's not what God wants either. Forgiveness is not codependency. Last week, we also said that forgiveness is different from justice and consequences. We we may need to call the authorities to get a restraining order. As parents, we need to follow through with discipline. Sure, we love our kids, we forgive them, but there's consequences to some of their behaviors. In business, you may decide not to go into partnership ever again with a person because of the past. You may forgive someone, but they still may need to pay. You tracking with me? And some of this is review, um, but I think it's important for us to put our mind around this. The, second, or the, the other thing that we said last week is that forgiveness is personal. You cannot be mad at an organization or a group or a business or a church. You are mad at a person or a group of people within that organization, within the church, within a business, so, uh, that sort of thing. And it's personal. And in order to forgive, we need to identify what is it in our lives, who is it in our lives that, that gives us that feeling of, oh, I want to you know, knock someone's head off or whatever the case might be. Forgiveness is personal. And we also said that forgiveness is a process, that deep hurt, pain, and bitterness. If you've lived with that for years, Um, that it's a process of forgiveness. And our goal is that we would take some steps in the right direction over these these weeks and before the end of the year, that we would take some steps. And our goal is freedom. But for some of you, maybe it's a one step or two steps where you stop hating someone or you put the jawbone down like we talked about last week. Or maybe you you get to a point where you can, in your heart, like Elizabeth uh, shared last week in her testimony, that, that she was able to forgive and uh, and to move past some of the offense in her life. And what I love what Elizabeth said, and by the way, Elizabeth, I just want to say publicly again, thank you for your testimony. If you you were not here last week, get online. It's worth listening to the message. Uh, Elizabeth had an incredible testimony uh, that brought it in. And what you said in your testimony is that forgiveness is a choice. And uh, that's what we want to focus on this morning, is that it's a choice to stop telling the story. Whether it was a petty little offense or some serious offense, that God would help you move past that and to deal with the forgiveness or the unforgiveness in your life. Last week, last, last point here is that we said that forgiveness begins when we drop the jawbone. And if you're not familiar with the story in Judges 15, you'll need to listen online. But forgiveness is something... Uh, that is uh, is a choice that we need to choose to stop the revenge, the pong that we talked about last week, the going back and forth. And even though everything inside of you may resist, you may say, well, it's not fair, or uh, they may not see that I am right if I forgive, or they really did it and they really did say it. They don't deserve to be forgiven, whatever the case might be. We need to choose we need to resist that we need to put the jawbone down and stop swinging because revenge says i will be justice i will be god's wrath i will pay or i'm not going to pay for this one someone else is going to and you start to swing whether it's active revenge or passive and we said last week we said look we don't want to live there we want to turn over those that have offended us have hurt us we want to turn them over first of all to jesus We want to pray for them. And then the third thing is we want to bless those that we have trouble with. And when you get to that point where not only can you turn it over to Jesus and say, okay, God, my hands are off, then you can start to pray for them and your heart will begin to grow, right? But when you say, hey, how can I bless this person? You know what the Bible calls that? It says that you heap hot coals into their lap. And that's kind of fun <laughs> and uh, we want to get to that point in our own lives that we can we can live and what happens is that when we live that way there's a weight that is lifted from us and god gets the glory in our lives so we say in the lord help us to heal help us to set people free and help us ourselves to live in freedom freedom is a choice Forgiveness is a choice. I want you to turn with me to Colossians chapter 3. We're going to start, uh, we're going to look here and then we're going to be to Matthew chapter 18 in a minute. But Colossians chapter 3. It's an interesting, uh, Paul is writing to the, the church in uh, Colossae and he's giving them some instruction. In verse 12, it says this, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now let's just stop there for a moment. Those things, how many would agree that those things take a lifetime to achieve in many, a case, in many cases? To be compassionate, to give kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. That is something that God kind of works inside of us. But then look at verse 13. Bear with each other and forgive. Everyone say Forgive. Forgive. One, an un, one another, whatever grievances you may have against one another. And then here's the kicker. Forgive as the Lord has forgiven you. Some of you are saying, as you listened last week or you hear to this morning, you're saying, I just cannot forgive my neighbor, my friend, my, uh, my spouse, my my whatever. If you cannot get beyond the revenge and choose to forgive, what I want you to know and what I want to encourage us to do is to remember what you have done to Jesus. John Brevere, he talks about this in The Bait of Satan, if you've ever heard the book. It's a great uh, book about offense. At the end of the book, the last three chapters talk about uh, bitterness and rage and forgiveness. And he says this, he says, if you can't forgive, he says, you don't know what you've done to Jesus. And in regards to that, I want us to turn to Matthew 18, our key text for the morning. And it's a familiar passage if you've been in church. But I'm praying that there will be an illumination, a, that God would speak through His Word. And that, that we, as we dissect this, this chapter, really it's a progression of logic and forgiveness. It deals with forgiveness in financial terms, kind of settling accounts. And as we look at this, I'm praying that there will, that there will be an illumination, that there will be something that will click in your mind saying, boy, I've got to address this. In my life. And so we're not going to look at the whole chapter, but let's start in verse 21 of Matthew 18. It says, Then Peter, one of the 12 apostles, of course, came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times? Now let me just stop there for a moment. Who is saying this? Or who's asking this question? It's Peter. Now, Peter was not only one of the 12 disciples. He was one of the three chosen to be at the, at the uh, transfiguration on the mountain. Peter is the one that had the boldness to step out of the boat, and he walked on water. The Peter was a, was a man of God, and he's looking at uh, this discourse on forgiveness as you look at it in its context. And in the Old Testament, Peter would have known that in the Old Testament, it said an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. In in the Jewish law, if someone broke or had an offense against you three times, that was enough that at that point you could carry out punishment on the other person three times. And so what Peter is saying, he's saying, I, it almost like puffing his chest, he says, "Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Not two times, not eye for an eye, not three times, seven times." You're like. Jesus is going to be happy with him? Like, yeah, boy, you really got it. And and listen to Jesus' answer. He says, I tell you, not seven times, but 77 times. In some of your versions, it may say 70 times seven. If that was the case, that's 490 times. And in the context here, that's not in a lifetime. That means daily, 490 times to forgive your brother, of the same offense. If you put that in, in days or in, in minutes, that's every three minutes you would have to forgive the same person of the same sin and you couldn't sleep for 24 hours. I put that into perspective because our forgiveness, what Jesus is trying to convey, should be inexhaustible towards one another. There's nothing that we should Hold against our neighbor. And you know what's interesting? Is that Jesus, he follows it up with this story. And he says, This is what the kingdom of heaven is like. Let's look at verse 23. It says, Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. He began the settlement. A man who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had to be sold and repay, to repay the debt. Now, you could read that and say, wow, okay, there's a story, there's a servant, he owes 10,000 talents. But until you understand what 10,000 talents really is, I don't think we can understand the meaning of what Jesus is talking about. Now, in that day... A denarii, which we'll talk about here in a second, was one day's wage. 6,000 denarii would equal one talent. So 6,000 denarii times 10,000 talents, that would result in 60 million days of work is what was owed the king. In 2001, one commentator took it and took minimum wage and and, uh, multiplied it out. Minimum wage, it would be over $2.5 billion of debt. What Jesus is saying here, and the people that heard this, they would have been like 10,000 talents, a servant. That is an unpayable amount of debt. Nobody could pay it on their own, not in their lifetime. And what Jesus says is that there was a servant that came with 10,000 talents of debt. In verse 26, the servant comes and falls at the feet of Jesus. And he says, be patient with me, he begged him, and I will pay back everything. Now, the servant knew at that moment in this story, would have known that it was an unpayable debt. For whatever reason, the king lent him out that much money It would have been unpayable. But he said, look, I will pay back everything. And the the servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. The king canceled the debt. What's interesting here is that at first you see this king. He's got his own book, a ledger, of what was due him, and he's settling his debt. How many would say that's what a good king should do, to settle the debt, to go in and and to say, okay, you owe this much, or you owe that much, or I owe you this. And it was a good king, very businesslike. He was dealing with debt, and he had this book. But then all of a sudden we read that the king cancels the debt. At that point, the king makes a decision that is not, would you agree, a Good financial decision. Something inside of the king was going on that made him want to cancel the debt. He's saying, I am no longer in the good business business. I have tossed the books aside. And the king pays the price. He throws away the bookkeeping. Listen, he dies to the system. Why? Why? So, a servant can have new life. Incredible. Incredible. And then the story goes on. That servant, I'll call him servant number one at this point, he goes out. He found one of the fellow servants that owed him a hundred denarii. And how much is that? A hundred days of work. The same commentator in 2001 said that would be, at that time, about fifteen dollars to $20,000, about three to four months worth of work. How many would agree that in a lifetime, that's a payable debt? That's something that, that they could have paid, and the, uh, the audience would have understood that. He grabbed him, though, and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, just like he had done to the king. He says, be patient with me. I will pay you back. And he really means it. The servant, the first servant, when he begged it, he's saying, I'll pay you back. And there's no way that he could have paid it back. This servant probably could have. But verse 30, but he refused. Servant number one. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, went and told their master everything that had happened. Happen. So we have this story that continues. A servant number two owes a hundred denarii, maybe fifteen to twenty thousand dollars in debt. But what I want you to see here is not so much the debt, but servant number one. He left the king's presence and his heart was unchanged. The grace that he received, the pity that he experienced did not affect him and so servant two he leaves the king's presence and he's got his book his own bookkeeping and he holds another servant to the book he says you're gonna pay and the servant says i can't pay and he throws him into prison and he holds him to the book what's interesting is that the story continues when the master heard this he called servant number one in And he said, you wicked servant. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And I don't think there's a logical person here this morning, church, that would not agree with what that just said. If you were forgiven an unforgivable amount of debt, Shouldn't you extend the same mercy to someone that's so small? I think you should. But listen. He says, shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. When servant number one took the book, and lived by the book, which was good business. It resulted in torture. When you hang on to the book, the result is torture. And what's interesting is that word torture is the same word they use as they describe hell, the lake of fire. And I don't believe that Jesus uh, uh, I believe that Jesus was be- was thinking about eternal punishment. Listen to this. It says in anger, his master turned him over, the jailers to torture him. And then Jesus said, he interprets the parable. His disciples didn't have to ask. He just took the initiative and answered. He says, this is how my heavenly father will treat each one of you unless you forgive your brother from your heart. Now at that point, my mind I can't get my mind around that thought completely because there's other scriptures that talk about the, the love of God, that you turn to the Father and you're forgiven. It's almost as if there's some conditions to our salvation. But what's interesting is that as I read this, if you don't forgive, if you do it by the book, you will never be forgiven yourself. So Matthew 18 is this beautiful picture Peter asking, how much should I forgive? And, and Jesus is saying, look, our forgiveness, your forgiveness should be inexhaustible. And then he tells this story about a king who has his debt owed him, unpayable amount. And the king dies to the system, forgives the debt. And then that servant goes out and holds to the old system. And what's the result for him, it says? That he live, would live in torture in hell see there's two books here that i want you to see the king's book which is really representative of god's book the way he deals with us and then the servant's book which is really our books how we record those things in our lives that are wrong and if we go back to colossians chapter 3 verses 13 it says to forgive as the lord has forgiven you so what has god chose to do for us He sent his son to die, that we would have eternal life, that if we surrender our lives to him, Jesus made a choice to forgive, and we need to do the same. We need to remember what has been done, what we have done to Jesus. See, God gives grace and mercy, his forgiveness, but when we decide to hold on to unforgiveness of any kind, we will end up living a life of torture. Maybe you know someone that has lived with unforgiveness and it just eats away. It gets into the intricate details of our lives. It shows up in all kinds of areas as we walk through life with our family, with our friends, with our neighbors. And We think we're dealing with it and maybe we push it off to the side and all of a sudden it, it's back in the forefront. Listen, if you don't forgive, if you hold on to the debt, you will not Be forgiven, and this is not the only place in Scripture it talks about this. Turn with me to Mark chapter eleven. Mark chapter eleven, an interesting uh, section of Scripture here. In twenty four, it says, "Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe, and you will receive it; it will be yours." But look at twenty five. It says, "You, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, so if there's any offense in your life, and you're wanting to pray and, and be in God's presence." It says, forgive him so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins as well. In verse 26 in some of your Bible, it says, but if you do not forgive, neither neither will your Father in heaven forgive your sins. Again, it's hard to put our mind around that, but we see it again in Matthew chapter 6, in the Sermon on the Mount, the greatest sermon ever preached. Jesus is saying, hey, this is how to pray. And you can say it with me. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, right? Now pause. Forgive us our debts as we have forgiven our debtor. It's right there. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil one. Verse 14, it says again, If you forgive men when they sin against you, your Heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sin, your Heavenly Father will not forgive your sins. Again, difficult to to talk about, but the way I read that, and not only is it just in one spot, but in many occasions in Scripture, is it possible, I do believe, That our salvation would be in jeopardy if we choose not to forgive? Scary. But the great news of Matthew 18, the story, it describes a king who doesn't give us what we deserve. Again, in John Brevere's writing, he talks about what do we deserve. And he said, it's kind of comical when you read it or listen to it. It's interesting. He kind of says most, most believers kind of categorize sin. And they say, well, there's these big sins in our lives, you know, stealing or murder or adultery, right? And then he says there's these other, th- other sins. We wouldn't even call them sins. We just call them weaknesses, right? Like strife or, or jealousy or rage unforgiveness right well Proverbs 6 16 through 19 we won't take the time to look at it this morning God says what he hates he's very clear and unforgiveness is in that picture so what do we deserve as John Bevere kind of talks about we deserve death we deserve to be on the cross we deserve punishment but we all often will say well you know in the, in the big picture I'm not as bad as, let's say, a mass murderer. Or I'm not as bad as someone that has treated a child you know, with sexual misconduct. We, you know, no one here would, well, Everyone here would say, man, that's just completely inappropriate and, and would you know, be horrible. But the reality is, when we read God's Word in its entirety, is that one sin, one lie, one bad thought, if we live by the book, if we live by the book, the the system, that we would have to pay. And the fact is, is we cannot pay. Our debt is too large. But a king, Jesus, died to the system and set me and he set you, the servant, free. And the question is, is what do we do with that forgiveness. The unmerciful servant in the story of Matthew 18, he left the king's presence and he didn't allow what just had happened to affect him. It didn't change him. And he walked out and he held judgment on someone else. But listen, that's not God's plan. As believers, we are to be people that choose to forgive. Does Christ's forgiveness change us The result, if it doesn't, is that we will live, like servant number one, tortured. Our destiny would be an eternity separated from Jesus, the way I understand it. So we have to choose to forgive. See, last week we talked about putting the jawbone down, that forgiveness begins as we start to identify, saying, look, we are not going to take revenge anymore. We're going to stop the madness, stop the game of Pong. Bong, bong, bong. Today, it's another step saying, you know what? I'm going to start this process. I'm going to choose to forgive, like Elizabeth said last week. That's the goal. The bottom line is that we all have an unpayable debt. We call it sin. But salvation provides freedom from sin. We're forgiven. And if that is the case then we must learn to forgive those around us as well. I don't think there's one person here that would choose to live in an accounting ledger with God. Saying, hmm, all these good things versus the things that have offended God, the sin that separates us. Is there anyone here that would like to Give that a shot, saying, boy, I hope my good outweighs my bad. No way. No one. No one could make it. No one could measure up. And the great news is that salvation is here, even today. And maybe in the next few moments, maybe God will be stirring in your heart, saying, man, I need to surrender. I need to be forgiven. So that would be awesome. But as disciples, forgiveness is a skill of discipleship, we've said. If the story of the gospel gets a hold of you this morning, then you have to toss the books just like the king did and extend forgiven. The king gives grace and so should you. But we've got to identify what is it in our lives that we're hanging on to? What is it that we have not moved past? And there may be all kinds of things in our lives that again, we think we've kind of dealt with it. Maybe it's in the corner. But every Christmas, when we see Aunt Bertha, we remember, and we can't hardly be in the same room. See, I've heard of family stories where there's different people can't even get together. They have to have several meetings for the parents with each of the kids because the, the kids won't be together. I've heard of husbands and wives living in same roof, under the same roof, and never experiencing true forgiveness for something that's been done, something that's been said. Sometimes we hold it against ourselves. And it was interesting, even before service, I was talking with, um, with Jeff, and you lost your first wife to cancer. And you said, man, a lot of people hold on, and they, they are mad at God for a season, and God helped you kind of work through that. I know that, you know, Chuck, you kind of have dealt with that. Maybe there's other people in the, maybe a sickness or an ailment that is just kind of hung on. You're saying, God, what is that? And we need to forgive God. It's kind of hard to put our mind around that. But if we hold anything against anyone, it's like living in torture. And I want us to see that. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes this morning. As we wrap up this morning, I'm going to ask that you would just take a quick look inside of your own heart. Where is it in your own life that God is moving and revealing some areas that you need to address? In just a minute, I'm going to ask about where you know, is there forgiveness that you need to, to experience in your own life? But first, let me offer to you what the Bible calls, what we call salvation. A free gift given, something we don't deserve, but the opportunity to erase, to eradicate the sin in your life. And I don't know everyone here this morning, and so I I don't want to take it for granted that you are a believer, that you've accepted that forgiveness. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, Don't walk out of here without making your relationship with Jesus right. Say yes to Him. And if that's you this morning, would you just boldly just raise your hand saying, boy, that's me. I need to experience that forgiveness in my life. Is there anyone at all that would just slip up your hand? I want to pray with you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to call you out. But are you here this morning saying, boy, that's me. I need God's hand to forgive me. Anyone at all? Okay, I don't see any hands. Let me just say quickly that as we move into this season, I would encourage you to bring some people with you to church. Try to get them here that don't know Jesus. And let's let's see uh, salvation every week here at the Gateway Church. Amen? But let's look at our own lives beyond that. If you've experienced salvation, which by not raising your hand, I'm assuming that you've accepted Jesus. You've accepted his grace, his mercy from the king. You don't deserve it. You, your unpayable debt, he's eradicated. He's taken care of. Now we have a choice. Are we going to live by the book in our relationship with others? Or are we going to throw away the ledger and we, are we going to forgive? And again, we said that forgiveness is a process. And I'm going to ask this morning, is there anyone here that would say, Pastor, that's me. I need in my life to grow in this area. I need to be forgiving. Yeah. I need to work on forgiveness. Yeah, hands all over. Sure. Yeah, in your family, with your kids, with your spouse, in your neighborhood with a teacher, with an employer. see, what God wants to do is He wants you to take a step. Yeah, you put down the jawbone. You said, all right, the revenge is over. I'm not taking it in my own hands. And now, I want to experience the freedom that forgiveness brings. And what it does, when you start to move in that direction, there is a weight that is lifted from your hands. Freedom available. I want us all to stand this morning. Would you repeat this after me? Say, Dear Heavenly Father, help me to know you more. And help me to live according to your principles. To receive forgiveness, but to extend it as well. Help me in my going with every relationship, with every person, to extend grace as I have received grace. And I will give you all the praise and all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You know, as you leave here today, I want you to hold your head high, knowing that you are forgiven, one, but also that you can extend that same grace to others in the most difficult circumstances. And it could be a process. Couldn't We just said last week it could take some time. But start that process. Get that wheel turning. And I promise you it'll be the best Thanksgiving ever. It'll be the best Christmas ever. It'll be the best work environment ever. It'll be the best days at school. Wherever you are, go in the grace of God. Amen? Amen. God bless you. We love you. Wednesday night, we got prayer. But go today knowing that you're forgiven in Jesus' name. Amen? All right. God bless you as you go.